Happy cold, rainy decaf Thursday in Nashville. I actually just got off the phone, Mark, with one of our um, heroes, one of our policy heroes, Elias in Memphis. And he said they were out of power for six days because of the ice. I had no idea that things were as crazy as they are with the weather right now. Oh yeah, our new graphic designer who's from Memphis didn't wasn't able to get stuff done because she didn't have power for five days. Are you serious? That's why she was late on that project. Yeah. So it's like I'm like, I, I'm upset that you're late on the first project, but I understand where you came from. So no, yeah, <laughs> that it's, it's been a, a nightmare in Memphis for a while. I had no idea. He just called me back and said, sorry, I, I was a little off the grid. I we didn't have power for six days. And I mean, imagine like having children in your house and not having power. That would be a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be awful. <laughs> well, speaking of nightmares, what we're dealing with is uh, really small compared to what is going on on the other side of the world right now. I, all of us, as we were going to sleep last night, some of us earlier than others, I know some people who stayed up till 2 a.m. watching the coverage, but as I was going to sleep last night, all hell absolutely broke loose across the Russia-Ukraine border, which is something that we've all been anticipating unfortunately for months and months now and I don't I don't know if I really believed it would happen I thought that this was just kind of a Putin pride thing and he was gonna try to flex his muscles but didn't have anything to back it up I don't know I, I really I, I really don't think I thought that this was gonna happen and then you know full scale all day today on Fox News the bottom banner was Putin launches full-scale war against Ukraine so you know it's a, it's an interesting uh study in what different political powers looks like and what happens given any type of political circumstances. I, I hate that people are making this political, but I will say um, I, I heard some commentary about how for four years people were afraid to communicate with Russia, the United States, afraid to communicate with Russia because it would be seen as sneaky or uh, not diplomatic. And a lot of left. Yep. Yeah. And and so now that we haven't communicated with them for so long, I guess they've emboldened themselves to act. I, I, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on this whole thing, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I do think we talked a little bit earlier. It's like all the people thought that, you know, Trump was going to into World War Three because of the way it was. Obviously, that was not the case. And, and, you know, Biden's not to blame either. But this whole idea that, you know, Trump was the dangerous one didn't end up, I mean, Russia hadn't done anything for four years. And again, I don't think, I think it's important not to blame Biden, but let's look at what's happening. And, you know, Russia basically feels like the international community and the U.S. included isn't going to do anything. That's why they went into Ukraine. He wanted to get more power and he feels like if, if they're just going to do economic sanctions, I can deal with it. Well, I and of also course, saw, like you worry as. Well, I, I just saw, I saw tweets that were talking about how we get all these hundreds of thousands of barrels of oil from Russia, but we could have gotten even more had we built the Keystone Pipeline. And so we do rely on them. The oil prices are shooting up. The stocks are pummeling down, plummeting down. And so I, I don't really understand what what is good about not stopping them. We have to, I think we have to stop them. Uh, they, they, they always, I mean, we're not foreign policy experts, either of us. And no. I think the idea of going to war is such a serious thing that you really need to think about it. Uh, yes. at, at the United States and the rest of the world has to, you know, they have to do something, though, because when you look at what's going on, we talk about it's not just Russia. It's what will China do to Taiwan if they see that we don't do anything here or the world doesn't do anything. And, you know, economic sanctions can cripple them. But, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I just know that right now this is not okay. And, you know, you don't want to ever compare things to what Hitler did. But I mean, he started by taking land and, and nobody did anything. So I don't know the answer. I, I would never say that we should go to war or not go to war. I don't know. But I know that Putin is doing this because he feels like he can get away with it. 
And, uh, you know, maybe hopefully the economic, you know, sanctions will have a crippling effect on them. But I, I worry about it. I, I feel like he knows what he's getting into and he's doing it anyway. And he's doing it only because he feels like he can get away with it. I agree. Yeah, I'm by no means saying we should go to war. That is really dangerous. But I think that everybody's got to band together and do something to stop it. I don't think that he is going to be phased by these economic sanctions that we've already put on him. I think that it's going to have to be swift and intense and just absolutely coming down with an iron fist on them for them to cut it out. Um, I think I read somewhere that Russia's GDP is the same as Texas. And so I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that they have the manpower, the financial power to back a, a long-term kind of attack on the Ukraine. Other people would have to come in and help them, which who knows if they will, but I'm, I'm not convinced that this is Ukraine's not very big. Ukraine's not very big though. It, no. it might be too late by the time anything happens. I mean, they could kill a bunch of people in Ukraine. And like, I mean, the best thing you can say at this point is without, you know, taking any, giving any foreign policy advice, like you just got to pray for the people of Ukraine. Honestly. I mean, the thing is I, I saw a, a big, um, I saw a big thing of the people of Russia, like with anti-war signs. So again, it's not the Russian people. It is literally Putin, the dictator who has just decided to take land that's not his. Um, it's, it's really sad and you hope it has a good ending. I don't know what it is, but my guess is that ex economic sanctions are saying cut it off is not going to be enough. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I hope that the international community along with the U.S. does something to stop it. And of course, you don't want to go to war, but if it's necessary based on what people think, then I mean, something needs to happen here. Yeah, we definitely do not want to go to war by any means, but what we've already done isn't enough. And so everybody's got to band together and stop this crazy man. I mean, no, nobody ever wants to go to war, right? That's not a thing that people want to do. Um, so it's not like that's ever a good option. Um, but, you know, sometimes it is a necessary option. And I don't know if it's this case, but there, there has to be something done. And I hope that, you know, again, like you said, Putin is an evil, evil man. And, um, and he's using the same, we talked about, he, he's saying he's getting rid of the Nazis. That's what he said, denazifying Ukraine, which is insane. It's, it's He's taking a page out of the left's book and saying, anybody who doesn't dis who disagrees with me is a Nazi. And it's just, it's hard. And th the good thing is at least the whole international community, with the exception of China, is against this. So hopefully everybody can band together and get, get him to stop in some way. I know. And I will say, I really liked what the Ukrainian UN ambassador said straight to the Russian UN ambassador's face, which was there is no purgatory for war criminals. You go straight to hell. I was like, get in his face and tell him exactly what you think, because no more tiptoeing around Russia. They have they have yanked Ukraine and all of all of these countries that used to be in the Soviet Union. They've yanked them around for way too long. Don't don't mess with them. Don't mess with them. And, and I would also say, like, I don't know, again, I, I don't, I'm not there, but it seemed kind of weird, like reading about this last week that the Ukraine's like, oh, no, nothing's probably going to happen or nothing's imminent. Like, I don't know if they're ready for this. Hopefully they are. But I remember that people were like, oh, you know, everyone's like warning them, including Biden. And they're like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen yet. So hopefully that was just PR stuff. And they're actually ready for this. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they quite have the professional military. I think a lot of the people that are fighting there are kind of, you know, volunteer type people, but hopefully they can, you know, hold them off. And I mean, crazier things have happened you see every time somebody attacks israel like they have you know three times the, the manpower they have three times the weapon they never seem to win there so hopefully right. ukraine can do something you know similar right may i I'm, I'm thinking that ukraine was probably saying that so as to let the russians know that their propaganda was not working on them because i keep seeing warnings i was scrolling TikTok and just like the hash, hashtag ukraine and seeing all yeah. of these things and people were saying people were posting things on social media and things on the internet that were fake russian propaganda trying to get the ukraine to surrender or bow out and so i hope that they 
stay strong, absolutely pray for the people on the ground there, pray that they get out, get as many people out as can get out. It's or, a scary or, or beat them. Or, I, I hope they beat them and they, they force them to go back. I, I, I hope that they force those Russian troops to retreat. That's good, Mark. I like that. Force them back. And one more thing I do want to say that my, you know, I know everyone hates him now from both parties, but Mitt Romney was right in 2008 when he said that Russia is the biggest geopolitical foe when Obama made fun of him and said the 1980s foreign policy is calling. He was right. He was absolutely right. And his rationale is right. And, you know, of course, you, you can look back and say that, but um he was right person. So let's remember that next time we're hearing, oh, th there's this and that. Just because somebody who's a politician says it doesn't actually make it correct. And, you know, you got to give credit to Mitt Romney because he saw this when he was made fun of by Obama and the Democrats. And now they look like idiots. Exactly. Uh, just love it when things come full circle. Um, let's let's talk about something a little more lighthearted, but still absolutely infuriating. And that is corporate welfare. Um, Ever since I have known Mark, when did we meet Mark? 2015, 2016, you have yeah. you have been permanently affixed upon the soapbox of hollering and fighting and banging your fists about corporate welfare and specifically stadium subsidies. I don't know anybody who loves sports more than you, except for maybe my mm -hmm. brother-in-law, but I still think you might love sports more than him. And yet you would rather, I think, and, and tell me if this is true or not, I think you would rather sit in the grass no seats at all, no bring your own snacks and watch a sporting event, then go to a game in a stadium that was paid for by taxpayer dollars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if, <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point of this thing is that it's, you know, it's capital. If we believe in capitalism, if other people like it as much as I do, which they do, you can buy a stadium and you don't have to actually use tax dollars because people will pay for it. I they know. pay for tickets and people who have money. That's how businesses work. You have money, you build something and then you make money from people who want to use it or buy it. Very yeah. easy. Um, exactly. And but so, yeah, so I mean, it, we don't know any details, but of course, right now, the Titans are talking about building a new stadium. What we found out is the original stadium built 23 years ago is basically almost unfixable, which is in part is because they did such a poor job with taxpayer money building it 23 years ago. Um, so now there's going to be a big discussion in Nashville about, you know, whether we should be funding this new Titan stadium and how much of it should be funded by taxpayers. Um, obviously, I don't believe it should be any, and we don't know any details, so we don't want to go out, but like, this is a really scary thing for a franchise that's doing incredibly well. They don't need taxpayer money. They don't. They're, they're great. They're making a lot of money. They can build their own stadium. They can build all the stuff around it. They don't need tax dollars, so it's going to be something that we're going to definitely keep an eye on here. I know, and I, I expect Mark to go live. Remember that phase that you had where you went live on Facebook all the time on your phone and you would like walk around taxpayer funded places and just absolutely go to town, just bashing them and trashing them. That was one of my favorite Mark phases on social media. Um, maybe we'll bring that back. <laughs> Well, that was that was right when Facebook Live like started. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Let's do all these things. Like, it was it wasn't that cool, but I thought it was cool. We yeah, also had that. Um, we also got to eat, watch Dustin eat like a whole piece of cake in one bite on Facebook Live and spill yeah. it on himself. So there's a lot of lot of good things for Facebook Live. Mark was the king of Facebook Live there in like 2016. <laughs> you, you were you were all about it. Um, that yeah, was so I, cool. I know we we did do that though. We went downtown on right before the NFL draft and did a kind of like a Billy on the street kind of thing about the NFL draft. And uh, that was fun. So maybe if if Nashville does decide to fund a new Titan Stadium, which fingers crossed, prayers up that they do not, but if they do, we might have to go out and get some genuine, honest reactions about it. Because I think when people realize, like if you put the numbers of how much the Titans organization makes every year, what a stadium would cost and what they're asking taxpayers to, to fund, you know, 
I've never even, I've been in the Titan stadium one time ever once, just one time. I've never been to a Titans game. I've never, I mean, but there are plenty of sponsors that they could get to, to build the stadium and not every Nashvilleian uses the stadium. And so not every Nashvilleian should have to pay for it. And that's, that's the only argument that I can even make for taxes as well. I do drive on roads and I do, you know, like different things, you know, kind of like I do enjoy trash pickup, even though that's a whole nother thing in Nashville that's straight up not happening, but it's not happening. And, and it's hard to, it's really hard to ask people to fund a stadium when they won't even pick up your trash right now. So I think that's another tough discussion. Exactly. Yeah. Nashville, if you're listening to this and you've had trash pickup, issues, <laughs> put them in the comments because we have been very upset in our office because we've had stolen trash cans that were taken by Metro waste services. We've had trash days missed for weeks on end and and so when you're asking uh for a host of things that nashville that businesses and companies ask for when they're coming to nashville and the city council is more than willing to fork over the dough to make that happen and yet our trash cans are overflowing and there's trash on the ground and our houses it's a little bit of a harder it, it makes the argument even more difficult i think for them to try to make in favor of stuff like this and, and i loved i mean i love you know i love nashville i like everything about it but I, in some ways i'm excited to not be there anymore so right now i'm in brentwood like, i don't have to deal with all these same issues that they're that they're dealing with it's i mean it's frustrating because you know a lot not all but a lot in city accounts are just not good stewards of our money and and hopefully you know i do think that there's a little bit of momentum against a stadium that's funded by taxpayers i really do but hopefully uh, it's enough where we can we can kind of stop any tax dollars from going to it yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Speaking of sports, um, last year the SEC tournament was here in Nashville, the basketball tournament. It's 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 conference tournament week coming up here. When does when do they start the fourth? Well, so the the the, fir the first tournament starts. I think it's the eight uh, the twenty eighth. So on okay. Monday. So soon. Um, but the the big one the big ones are next week or the week after. Okay, well, Mar I like the big tournaments. I went uh, to a couple games last year. It was so much fun when it was here in Nashville. Alabama's not as high ranked as they were last year, unfortunately. Ugh. But um, so I probably won't be going to making the trip to Tampa to see any Alabama athletics this year. But Mark, you love um, you love the small tournaments. Like you are dialed in on these small conference tournaments. And I need to know why. Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, if things go well, I mean, I could make like nine grand. That's always cool. Just betting small, like $10, $15 of these teams that just because I know more about them. But it's always kind of been a um, the pageantry of sports and, and what you think about these, you know, these college athletes that, you know, they're not going to Kentucky or Kansas or even places like Alabama or Marquette, where it's like, you know, you get big scholarships, it's big people. And, and these guys who, you know, they get scholarship, they got one or two offers. They're at small schools like Jacksonville State or Appalachian State or something like that. And they get the chance to basically fulfill their lifetime dream and play in the NCAA tournament. And all of these conferences get one bid. Whoever wins the conference tournament is the one who gets to do this lifelong dream of theirs. And, you know, maybe get crushed by 40 in the first round, but maybe not. Like you don't know what it's going to be. So just this this whole idea of these guys who have worked so hard all year to have a chance to actually go head to head with the big boys is so much fun. Me and my dad used to go every year to, we went to the Ohio Valley a few times. We used to go to the Colonial Athletics. So we went to all these small conferences and just the, the raw emotions when they win this conference tournament, it's like they won national championship. They are so excited. And okay. these are the teams that, you know, 
that most people don't watch college basketball, they don't know on the first day of the tournament, like, oh man, Kentucky's struggling with these teams. Like, yeah, if you watch them this year, they're pretty good. And like, they have these players. So it's like, I feel more prepared for the tournament watching this. You know, I, I have teams like Wyoming that I really like who, who are not as highly talented. Moorhead State's a big sleep. There's a lot of different teams yeah. that I like. Um, and Tennessee has a lot of them, right? We're excited because Tennessee, we have Chattanooga, uh, East Tennessee State, um, Belmont can get in the tournament, mm -hmm. uh, Lipscomb. I mean, all of these teams have a chance to get in. Um, and, and it's just kind of a cool, even uh, what's a UT Martin, you know, yeah. Tennessee State. There's so many different teams from Tennessee that have, you know, and the rest of your season doesn't matter. You could be five and 18. You've lost all your players. But if you could put together four straight games, you're, you're in the tournament. And it just, tournament. it's the coolest thing there is in sports. I love March Madness. I'm so excited. I will be in New York for the Big East tournament, which is one of the bigger ones to see Marquette. But I'm very excited about watching TV. For about the next two and a half weeks straight. I don't think Kira is super happy about that, but like, this is my time. <laughs> now would be a really good time if you were to get COVID. Now would be a good time to do it so that you could be like, <laughs> I'm sick and like sit on the couch and just watch sports all day, every day. Just watch. Unfortunately, basketball. our workload would not allow for that right now. I, I know. It's <laughs> so true. <laughs> we would probably, I would like die, die of a heart attack if I had to just. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd still be so anxious anyway. It wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I will give a shout out to my sister's husband's dad's my brother-in-law's dad he Just played dad. okay <laughs> yes he played baseball at Vanderbilt and every year they get season tickets and he texted me the other day and said any midweek games I won't come to because of work and you're welcome to those tickets and the season tickets come with all you can eat like sports food like pretzels and hot dogs and nachos and so basically every Tuesday night from now until the end of baseball season I'm going to be watching Vandy boys play baseball and eating as much junk food as I can possibly fit in my stomach and I I don't know I know you like you hate baseball. You really don't like college baseball, but it is yeah. just, I love baseball and I love stadium food. I am so excited for this. Well, bring a purse. You can bring some home with you. You can get like 20 yeah. hot dogs. Take the, a whole the backpack. I do find that mostly all you can eat stadium food is always disappointing to me. It's like, it's never that good. It's like, they always give you popcorn. Like I like stadium food generally that you pay for, but the all you can eat is usually a much less quality. Every time I do them, like, I'm disappointed. This was just mediocre at best. I can live off. You don't understand. Your body might be a temple. Mine is like a frat house. I can live off pizza. No, you want, no, that's, that's garbage. You want good, good junk food though. This is not good junk food. It's low quality hot dog. It's, I'm, I'm not fighting with the hot dogs or popcorn. It's like, it's just the crappiest kind, like lukewarm. It's never that good. They give you like pizza that has like 80% sauce. And it's like, it's just not the good junk food. My body's clearly not a temple, but I want high quality. I want pizza. That's what I want. I want Chick-fil-A. That's what I want. Okay, well, I'll report back on the uh, the quality of my 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 season ticket buffet meal, but okay. I am a I am thrilled to go watch because Vanderbilt is great at baseball. I mean, Dansby Swanson came from Vanderbilt. I enjoyed watching him play the last couple of years on the Braves team. I I've really um, I'm really looking forward to to going to some games and seeing the Vandy boys play and eating some crappy stadium food, but all I can eat of it, you know, like quality, quantity, man, whatever. Um, speaking of crappy food, I, I think it's crazy that you that you talk about Dansby Swanson. There's so many better players that went to Vanderbilt that are in the that are in the major leagues now. But there is no one better you're, looking. You like Walker what's... Bueller, who's a Cy Young candidate every year, you know. 
Yes. Like your strength. He's like, there's so many better players than him. But Dansby is a brave, is a Braves player. And okay. he is the most handsome man I think I've ever seen. And so you gotta, you gotta really, gotta really see it from where I'm seeing it, Mark. He's, he, he's got it all, you know? I remember you kept talking about how good he was last year. The podcast like, his stats are terrible. You're like, oh, well, I didn't realize that. I just really like him. Yeah, exactly. He's just a beautiful man. And I just enjoy watching him. For no other reason than watching him. No, he's engaged. He is engaged. Listen to this. His fiance is a professional soccer player. They are like an athletic dream team. They're they're very cool. Um, He proposed to her right after the World Series. So mm, sad. I don't have a chance anymore. But did I really have a chance to begin with? No. But I will. There's, all, there's always that. You never know. There's always that 0.001% chance, but when, when they're getting engaged, it's over with. It's over. It's over. He's so good for. But I will always wear my uh, Swanson t-shirt with my World Series champs patch on the arm, and uh, he's he's my guy. But, yeah, I'm excited to, to go watch some baseball because there's really nothing better than, like, sitting outside on a Sunday afternoon and eating popcorn and watching baseball. I know you disagree, but that's that's where I that's where I come from. Um, you, you like golf and baseball. You kind of like the two worst sports to watch, in my opinion. <laughs> I do love golf. Did the two you see, most boring sports. Did you see um, Justin Thomas is the reigning champion of the players tournament? And he went out to do some like promotional shots or whatever earlier this week. And Nick Saban came and played, played a few holes with them. And they took some great photos of two, two Bama boys out on the golf course, the players tournament, because it's coming up again. I thought that was. I'm done with Nick Saban after that whole getting involved in politics. Well, I'm done with him. I, I'm done with him. Yeah, that was upsetting. I'm going to be honest. I love him. I love I, I love 99% of everything about him. The 1% of his political views, I could I could really do without that. I don't even really care about his political views generally. Just like I just even saying them. I, I don't want any coach to be talking about that. So I'm, I I, I've never really liked him, but now I, I mean, he's a great coach, but I don't care for him one bit. So I totally agree with that. Um, before we go, Mark brought something to my attention earlier today. And I am not sure what to think of it because all I think everyone in our generation has a negative memory associated with Four Loco. And <laughs> Four Loco, if you're unaware of what that is, it it's like a can, it's like an alcoholic beverage in a can that was basically like grain alcohol and Red Bull. I mean, is that is that how you would describe it? It had so much caffeine, so much alcohol, and it tasted and they had to change like, the formula because it was so dangerous. Yes. Yes. It like killed people. Exactly. And so Mark told me that Mountain Dew has created spiked Mountain Dew. Now, ordinarily, I would say, keep me as far away from that as possible. I am too old to get even within 10 feet of something like that. But <laughs> the, the way you described it, I might be intrigued. Is it? Yeah, it, it's not like Four Loko either. Because like Four Loko is like 15% alcohol. This is like 5%. So it's like, and they have, un, they have uncaffeinated, they have uh, or decaf, I guess. And they have um, whatever, like low sugar, no sugar. So it just sounds like it's kind of Mountain Dew. And I don't know what kind of alcohol is in it, but it's at least, I mean, I love the way Mountain Dew tastes. The problem with that though, is it's like, if it's good, I mean, it can hit you fast. Like, oh, it's like, I just had three sodas. It's like, oh man, it doesn't feel oh, like no. I had three sodas. <laughs> I did not have three sodas. Maybe, uh, maybe in honor of it being decaf, we should do a taste test on a future podcast. Oh man! <laughs> also, we'll have to, we're going to be in in the in the east and west Tennessee soon. Me and you for for something we're doing. So we'll have to take some. We'll do some uh, decaf from there. But yeah, it'll be worth trying. We we have a staff outing next Friday. Maybe we, maybe we can bring some with us and convince the staff to try them. 
see what happens. I'm making, uh, I'm kind of giving myself away here, but I'm going to make a few um, fun cakes for the staff outing. And so it'll be a, a bit of a sugar rush if we bring <laughs> the spiked Mountain Dew plus the chocolate cakes that I'm making. But, you know, what's, what's life without a sugar rush every now and then? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, that's fine. It's this exciting though. I'm excited to try it. And we'll, we'll, once we try it together, we'll at least report back, even if we don't do it on here. Yeah. If, if we do it on here, we have to move this to like a 4.30 on a Friday. Because <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to recover from that. <laughs> I can't recover from, from a mountain, a spiked Mountain Dew. Well, everybody have a great <laughs> week. Stay safe. Um, and we will talk to you next week.